Hello and welcome to episode 61 of We're Not Dead, the official community podcast of We're Alive. I am your host this week, Nick Voodoo. Uh, but Sex McGee cannot be here because uh, she took her butt and her sex to Vegas, so um, yeah, that's awkward. Moving along. Um, she's not here right now, so I am being joined today by Funky Dung on the forums. Funky Dung, how you doing? I'm doing alright, how are you? I'm great, thanks uh, for coming on, especially on um, completely short notice. Um so tell us a little bit about yourself. One, how did you get the name Funky Dung? Because I want to know. Uh, well, I didn't hear what two was, but uh, to answer one, um, it's actually a an obscure Pink Floyd reference. Um, I will leave that okay. to the listeners to figure out what the connection is between Pink Floyd and Funky Dung. But once upon a time, I needed a username that was unique and didn't have a zillion numbers after it. And that's what I ended up with. It stuck, and I've been using it for 15 <laughs> years, maybe. That's kind of how I got Nick Voodoo. It's been, I think my handle is now almost 20 years old-ish. And it's like, wow. Someone just asked me about it today at work. I was like, how did you get that name? I was like, it's a very long story. I'm not going into it now. Uh, and there hadn't been a two yet. So uh, let me give you number two now. Um, so when did you become involved in... We're live fandom. Ooh, that was sometime in middle to late September of this year. So you're really a newbie. Oh yeah. Cool. I like it. Fresh fish. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you came in right at the beginning of this season, for all intents and purposes. Um. Who is your favorite character? You know, I was thinking about this before coming on, and. Um, and prior to this season, uh, well, no, I, I actually, I'd even say toward, prior to the end of uh, season three, I would have confidently said Michael. But man, is he turning into a, uh, a real jack wagon? I mean, he's just <laughs> a complete wuss and falling to pieces. Um, so my, I guess having uh, gotten rid of Michael from my top. I might have to go with Datu. Ah, you know how to play this game. King Datu the Resourceful. I like it. Um, all right. Uh, who's your least favorite character? Not uh, Maybe not even necessarily like who's your least favorite character, but who's the character you would want to punch in the face just because they're annoying? Well, I, see, actually, that's those are two, so two of the same Michael. thing. Uh, okay. I cannot stand CJ. Oh, okay. I, can't, I, I want her gone. She bugs the crap out of me. Just because of her leadership style, or what? What about her makes you tick? Ah, just her personality is completely grating, um, <laughs> and she completely emasculates Michael. And um, I, I'm not all that thrilled with her leadership. As you pointed out a zillion times on on this show, um, great plans, terrible execution. Mm -hmm. um, so. She's a great person to have maybe as a number two, but running the show, I'm not convinced. Uh, I suppose I can see that. I mean, the part of the reason why I'm so not anti-CJ where everyone else seems to be going that route right now, uh, again, the plan the plan is working, The seemingly at least. Um, the colony is still on its feet. There haven't been really many that huge, many attacks. They haven't been seeing too much zombie activity down there. Um, and she came up with a very plausible, albeit sort of not what we would like to have as an excuse for why Bert goes away. And that worked out fine. Everyone's like, oh, she's a bitch. It's like, I, I buy it. I, I buy at least that reasoning and why she got Michael all emasculated there because, yeah, you know, you're supposed to give Bert something to do, but eh, is kind of right. You have to look out for the greater good, and she does that a lot more often than I think Michael does on occasion because he gets emotionally involved, which we'll get to in this episode. So, let's get to this episode, which is 39-1 Chemical Reactions. Um, and let's start off, I don't know if you got a chance to see it, the artwork I did. for the cover. Okay. For those that did not see it, because sometimes the podcast app is mean and nasty, and uh, sometimes you just don't see it, 
There is uh, is a scene from the morgue uh, where we start off this episode, and there is someone or something chained to a chair with a tarp over their head. Um, and there's tarps over the windows. It's uh, very stark looking. Uh, what did you take from the artwork? Who do you think is in the chair? Ooh, who do I think is in the chair? Um, CJ? No. Um, <laughs> no, there's two legs. Um, That's wishful. <laughs> oh, burn. <laughs> um, not nice. Wow. Um, if it's not just some red shirt, um, I, I don't think it's going to be a major character uh, on our side. Um, I could maybe see it being uh, Randy. My, I mean, I don't... Obviously, no one knows right now, and we never know until the chapter is fully done. Um, we do know that uh, that woman that was there that uh, got uh, bit did make it there, was chained down, but they said to a table, this may just be the artistic license, and this is her. It does look like a very small frame mm -hmm. in the picture. If you guys want to go look it up, you can find it on uh, www.zombiepodcast.com. It's going to be on right on the homepage right now or on uh, the We're Alive uh, Facebook page. Uh, it looks like a very slight frame, so it is either that woman, I think, or I really like the idea of Randy, although I think that... Um, Randy may be uh, done for this chapter uh, now that we've had our little run-in with him and now we have somewhere to go. Um, so let's move right to Sir Randall uh, and his whole thing with this uh, chapter. Um, I think it was great to see that character again. Do you think, Funky, that this encounter was planned and staged? Or do you think that Michael and crew really got the drop on him? I don't. I. I don't think they got the drop on him so much as they got lucky. Um, okay. I, I don't. I don't think it was. I guess if I were to say that they got the drop on him, that would require that they would be more with it than they seem to be. Uh, there's a whole lot of snapping pictures of dogs and who knows what wandering by. Um, and not a whole lot of very skilled surveillance. And they just got lucky that the right person looked at the image and said, hey, wait a minute, look at that guy. Um, or actually, even more importantly, looked at it and said, hey, this picture was snapped 15 minutes ago. Right. Um, but no, I don't... I've been reading on the forums people talking about um, was this some sort of elaborate plan on Randy's part was he trying to lure them? Was he trying to pass off information to them? Is he really some sort of zombie double agent? Um, <laughs> and uh, no, I don't see anything nearly that complicated. Uh, I think he had a mission. He had something to do. He had things that he had to carry somewhere, and he was running, and he dropped things. Right. Um, yet another bloody cheek posted. Uh, so Randy is a physical, uh, physically a super Z as he's able to outrun Michael Puck. Bam! And yes, we get that. We got that particular chapter three reference to Ray Labs. Wham! Finally, Michael should start to give a f uh, give Puck some credit and tell him and us his arm story. Damn. Um. So yeah, we're going. Uh, the Radon Labs thing is what the cliffhanger is. We have been waiting for this f since. Chapter 3 is now chapter 39. That is a good long time to let that stew and brew in our heads. So, obviously, Radon Labs wasn't just a toss away like some people had begun to think it was. It's rather, rather important. Um, another post Shadow Sentinel. Yes, we're finally going to start seeing and hopefully finding out more about Randy, but stupid Michael, of course, it was a trap. Why is Puck the only sensible one? However, I wonder if the trap is set specifically for Michael or if it's just a trap for anyone. Something tells me that Pinstripe has been studying all humans that are left and know what happens to Michael when he first met Randy, and I think it was a deliberate trap set for Michael. Uh, you've already covered what you think, whether you think that was a trap or not. Um, I'm not entirely uh, torn. I'm not entirely torn. I'm not entirely positive that um, it, it was a trap. However, I can see how it can easily be a trap. I can see how he walked past that camera and has been waiting for them to show up, or he's been like trailing them, found a camera set up, and got ahead of it so that they would see him soon and go looking for him. But 
if it was meant to be a trap, isn't I don't understand why it's a trap to drop the glass jars. That doesn't that's the part that doesn't make sense to me. If it was a trap to like rip their heads off, okay, I buy that. That's the part that I'm stuck on is him dropping the jars behind. Well, you know, the only thing I can think of is if the jars were part of some kind of trap, they were both supposed to break. I, I don't remember, I didn't re-listen to the episode before this, but do both jars break? I mean, one of them breaks, right? One of them does break, and it spills whatever the chemical is over the other one. It makes the label... um just you can't illegible you cannot read it so there's one that is still fully intact i believe i think that there's only one of the two that broke okay because i could see if they were supposed to break open and mix that that could be some sort of trap i mean there's any number of things that when you uh, mix them together they become very toxic right uh the only thing i would think that makes it not that way is I'm pretty sure by unless of course you obviously can't read the jar, the thing that broke um, the the FO if they're both you know fork acid or formaldehyde or whatever the chemical happens to be um, then that's you know chemicals react to themselves the way that they do they just don't react because it's the same thing so if that was the case then that's not a trap but if it is what's left over is a foric acid, which is what is being suggested by a lot of people in the forums, then maybe it's time to start looking into what that reacts to violently and what sort of gas it might produce as an, as a resulting chemical compound, uh, which may be interesting, but uh, right now we just don't know what it is. And there are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of posts on the forum that delve into this very deeply. So if you want, there are just dissertations. They're way too long for me to read on here. And they're posted by people that are way smarter than me about it. So if you want to learn about what those posts are, www.zombiepodcast.com slash forum. Go to the episode discussions. You will see chapter 39. And it's 39.1. There's 18 pages right now, possibly even 19, um, to go hunting through. And there's a lot of really, really good long, long posts about what might be there and uh, some theories about what that might be. So as for the chemicals, which we have now just uh, spoke of, um, Matt R. Hale, uh, while Michael and Puck are investigating the bottles found in Randy's bag, one of them reads F.O., as we just mentioned, and comments on a metallic smell, and the contents of the broken bottle are all over everything. There's no mention of vapor or fume, so it's unlikely it contained a strong acid, in my opinion. Earlier in the episode, during the mortuary scene, Robbins commented on the jars uh, of specimens lining the walls. I think it might be a hint towards what's in one of the bottles, which is formaldehyde. Um, which is obviously something that you use for embalming and et cetera, et cetera, ad nauseum. We all kind of have an idea of what formaldehyde's for and sort of what it smells like because we all had to dissect a frog at some point in our lives. So what do you think the importance of radon labs is? Is it the place where we created Ground Zero? Is it just accidentally involved in you know, creating this apocalypse that we're now living through? What do you think their role is in the story? You know, I, I don't think they were up to any good. Um, I, it's really tough. It's such a teeny little tantalizing bit of info and we really know nothing about it other than it's a lab. Um, mm-hmm. Really tough to say what kind of lab. Um, I I still I still kind of subscribe to the quasi Frankenstein theory that's been floating around the forums that uh, these zombies or whatever we want to call them are at least in part due to somebody messing around with. Uh, genetic manipulation and or um, some sort of imbibed or injected chemical. Um, so radon labs could be some company that was, uh, I think somebody had mentioned the possibility of a, an eternal life or fountain of youth serum. Mm-hmm. So um, something along those lines. 
I, I'm glad that you found your way away from what I consider the Franken zombie theory because you said Frankenstein thing. I was like, oh, we're gonna have to end the podcast like right now. <laughs> no good. No, okay, yeah. Um, g- genetic manipulation. Yes, that is something that um, even now is s- relatively within our grasp. Uh, here in 2013 and 20- 2009, 2010, it was still a little more uh, specialized. Uh, I, I believe I'm tr- I'm trying to put my head back in the wayback machine all all four years ago, um, but it seems like that's still that's definitely a plausible thing that they could have had access to and had the ability to do is you know um, altering DNA in a live human or at least experimenting on it and thus creating our patient zero and this whole outbreak but then how does that work with the cracks in the ground at ground zero that's the other part of it is i don't know i i don't know that anyone can tell right now except for kc how the two mix together so maybe the idea of chemical reactions is radon labs has done something to certain human population and then the ground zero created an un just uh, an unanticipated outcome with whatever gas came out of the ground and uh, created this thing. I'm not sure how they interact. Uh, any ideas on maybe how that works? Or is it one, not the other? One's a red herring? What do you think? I would not put it past KC to give us a red herring like that. Um, but I, I think I like the idea of something was going on that was deliberate and then something happened that was completely unplanned, an act of God, so to speak, mm. uh, that took what was well-directed research and turned it into a disaster. Um, but uh, as I'm thinking, you know, this could be completely uh, crack-addled, but... Um, we love those. <laughs> uh, I, I keep coming back to the name that I, I wonder if it's some sort of deliberate joke or play on words. Radon. You know, a, a gas that uh, or, or is it is it a gas? And see now somebody's going to tell me that I'm an idiot. But basically, radiation from the ground, you know, builds up in your basement, you know, things like that, you know. And I'm thinking radon labs, radon stuff coming up from the ground, cracks in the earth. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could very well be something like that. The, again, at that point, the only thing that I'm cons- concerned with in terms of the uh, the overarching world. Is that you know radon? Possibly radon is a huge mega corporation conglomerate located all over the world, but you know it's happening in uh, you know there's reports of it happening in Hawaii and obviously overseas and all these other places that we've heard about that it, this is started. Um, so it's it, it's so hard to know. That's why I'm 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 formulating this as I'm talking right now because I never actually considered really origin for this story and how it works but the longer this goes on and the more I let it stew in my head I really I'm starting to buy into a theory that it's radon doing something and then it accidentally blows up with this natural phenomenon that happens at ground zero that's where I'm going now I'm sticking to it until I change my mind and then say that oh I never thought that at all uh okay Tanya's death lab. Um, Tanya experimenting on a live person. Did that shock you at all? What, what, you know, what were you thinking when you're like, Oh, she's going to cut that lady open. You know, actually I didn't flinch at that. There were a lot of people on the forums that thought, you know, ah, she's psychotic. What's with her? I, I don't know how many, how many zombie movies, I can't speak. How many zombie movies have you people watched? Uh, you know, when they're going, they're going. <laughs> and right. this red shirt woman was on her way out, and um, you, you know, she was turning slowly, either on her own or thanks to the chloroform. And uh, really, the only reason why she was still alive was because she was useful for medical experimentation. Um, I, that actually didn't bother me so much. It didn't make me think that uh, you know Tanya was. Uh, Losing her her noodle or anything, um, right. so that 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 actually even phased me. The the fact that she 
did it doesn't phase me so much. The fact that she had to do it while she was alive, that part, I think, is what phased me. It's like, oh, really? She is still alive. She is still technically human, and now we're experimenting. That part didn't, per se, sit well. I understand why the character needs to do it, and that's uh, you know fine and dandy with me. She's experimenting, and she gets so lost in her experiments anyway that she doesn't even notice that Robbins is like passing out in the corner from disgust. Um Hardcore wrote on the forum, Tanya's got herself a little Frankenstein laboratory in the morgue now. I understand what she's trying to do. I know it's important and all, but uh, she's still starting to creep me out a bit. Tanya needs to be careful. Obsessing too much over studying the zombies could end up creating an unhealthy mentality. Uh, for some reason, that whole scene in the morgue made me think of the crazy doctor from Day of the Dead. Uh, and Undead Sweeper posts, uh, I feel bad for that lady. The mo- this morning you were eating breakfast, and the next you're being operated on Tanya while you're still alive. Can you explain... Can anyone explain what Tanya was doing? So she was running experiments on blood and calling out numbers of like 175 and 300. And I have absolutely no idea what test she was running. I know that it was compressed for time because Casey admitted that it was. Um, uh, And I didn't see anyone post any really good ideas about what it could be. Did you see anything on the forum or do you have an idea of what the the test that she was running on the blood might have been? Uh, Well... Knowing that it was compressed for storytelling purposes really opens things up uh, because a lot of lengthy tests can be considered as valid possibilities um, because for the sake of storytelling, you can make it take an instant. It's like watching CSI. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as soon as I was done... Well, actually, that's a lie. I was going to say as soon as I was done listening to the episode, but actually it's more like when I read the forums and people were talking about the numbers, I went and looked at recent blood tests that I have had for various medical testing and found anything that had a normal range that started somewhere around 100. Um, Mm. And so, you know, you're looking at things like concentration of sodium in your blood, chloride, cholesterol. Uh, You're also looking at uh, things that are related to your immune system. You're looking at different types of uh, immune cells, um, and I won't speak any further than that because then I'll I'll betray what an idiot I am with regards to those <laughs> matters. But I know you know just enough to to recognize that she could very well be tracking uh, an immune response in the blood uh, you know, when certain of these counts are elevated. Is it's indicative of uh, an infection? That, right. So, um, and, and also, do you remember the, the, the major antibiotics that Saul was given? Uh, no. Uh, I'm not even sure those were really called out. I just know that it was, um, a hell of a cocktail. Oh, they were called out. They were actually, they were named. Um, no, were they? And, I don't remember. And, yeah, so, because, um, Tanya asked Hope, I think it was, to get her, or ask somebody to get a um, some vials or some bags, something from her medical supplies, and she specifically called out, and I there were a couple of them, and only one of them comes to mind, clindamycin. Um, that's a fairly heavy-duty antibiotic, and the other one that was named that escapes me is also a heavy-duty duty antibiotic, and I recognize both of them by name because... Um, they are used to treat MRSA, uh, methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus. It is the superbug uh, bacteria that you can get in the hospital uh, or a lesser form breeds in uh, gym locker rooms, daycares, mm-hmm. what have you. And it is resistant to most antibiotics. And you have to uh, hit it with some more powerful stuff in order to kill it. Um, and uh, there are a couple varieties. The one variety is community acquired. You can get uh, locker rooms and whatnot. The other, the hospital acquired, is much much more serious, um, and in some cases can't be treated. Um, mm-hmm. And the only reason why I know all these ridiculous facts is because I've had MRSA. Uh, I had an enormous mm-hmm. abscess on the left side of my torso that hurt like hell. Um, and that was because I had an antibiotic-resistant infection, and um, mm. I needed to be on something fairly heavy-duty to knock it out. So, yeah, um, yeah. It, it, you Nasty. know, I'm thinking about 
that and tying it to people saying, well, is Saul uh, immune? Uh, was he born immune due to genetics? Or is he made immune by whatever cocktail he was given? Uh, is Tanya immune by her on her, her own or because of something she's taken but we don't know about? I think all of this is actually going to tie in together. Yeah, I agree it's going to tie in together. It's just right now it's... I, I, I'm... Unless I've said otherwise, I am of the opinion, and I'm going to just go with this for now, that the cocktail has more to do with it than genetics does, because um, that's just sort of always been my inkling to it. Um, and if I've said anything otherwise, um, I, I lied earlier, and I'm telling the truth now. Um, so let's just stick with that. I really do think that the cocktail is what is keeping um, Tanya from turning. I think it's what kept Saul from uh, turning, or potentially dying from his infection, be it blood from Tommy through the bullet, which I think we've all sort of at this point agreed that that sort of would have been impossible, but regardless. Um, so let's talk a little bit uh, about uh, our, our brand new, you brought up the term red shirt a few times. Let's talk about the brand new red shirt, Jay, because Jay sucks. <laughs> and Jay, you need to learn how to drive a Hummer, man. Come on. Let, let, learn how to drive. You got stuck in a flower bed. What is wrong with you? Yeah, I wasn't sure what to make <clears throat> of that scene. Um, you know, we can't get going. Uh, why not? Well, come take a look. Oh, just, just come and then look. they're stuck in a flower bed. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, I hate to rag on KC, but it almost seems like a joke setup that kind of didn't quite work. Um, no, I mean, I, uh, I feel as though... Because the radio communications are monitored, so if you say, oh, I screwed up and got it stuck in a flower bed, that's going to go back to the colony and people are going to hear it. So I understand why you wouldn't announce that. And, you know, Michael even said, let's, you know, he'll scratch my back, I'll scratch his. I'm not, let's let's not talk about how I ran off and left Puck to die. Uh, and let's not talk about he screwing up and potentially killing all of us because he got the vehicle stuck. So... I, I suppose I understand why the uh, just come look uh, makes it in there. I just don't understand how you get a gigantic truck like that stuck in a flower bed. Yeah, I had difficulty just picturing the, the scene in my head. Some of the things that are in the show are crystal clear. They're very easy mm -hmm. to imagine. Uh, a big truck getting stuck in a flower bed is not something I could easily picture. The best I can say, I mean, uh, people ended up posting... Um, because of the um, Lone Wolf line, uh, people ended up posting a lot of uh, My Cousin Vinny with the two youths. <laughs> I'm sorry, the two youths? What? That uh, that scene, if you haven't seen that movie. Uh, oh, I have. Net Netflix is your friend. Go watch it. It's a great movie. Um, <clears throat> so uh, there's also the scene where uh, they get stuck in the mud in their car out in the woods and just tire spin, tire spin, but, you know, that's, you know, convertible. That's not necessarily meant for off-roading as opposed to what they're bound to be driving around in, which has to be a little bit more heavy-duty and ready to go for that sort of stuff. I just didn't understand that. The only thing I can think of is that it's it's it alludes to Peg's, and Jay is now Peg's new boyfriend because he got stuck in her flower bed. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba-bup. So that pretty much, uh, you know, covers it. We covered our uh, zombie trap, which we're not exactly sure it was a zombie trap, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I have a couple of emails we can get to. One is from Lucifer Love Monkey, which, by the way, amazing name. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting to read this one just because I wanted to say it on the air. Lucifer Love Monkey. Um, and this is a Scratch question. Did Scratch kill the family member who assaulted her in the past? If not, I'm thinking it may be Pinstripes. He may he might have gone to Radon Labs in the hopes of being repaired a la Sin City. And he might have been experimented on, which led him to keep some of his intellect. Where Live has been shown to be a small world. Uh, thanks for time and effort on We're Not Dead. And that is from Lucifer Love Monkey. Um, I believe that it was implied that she attacked him and cut his nuts off. Um, I don't think she actually killed him because it seems like within the family rules, killing is sort of, uh, an unforgivable sin. So I don't think that whoever assaulted her died, 
I think they are still alive. So that leaves the possibility of it being uh, the one with the markings. Uh, however, she has been attacked by the one with the markings, even if she didn't notice it. So I feel like she may have been clued into that at some point that the one with the markings is alive and is her cousin that raped her and blah, 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 blah. Any thoughts? Uh, well, um, I don't think Scratch killed the the cousin, I think it was a cousin, that no, assaulted so. her. Um, because, like you said, that would be totally not acceptable to the family, and that was pretty obvious when um, Durai found out that she killed Angel, um, that that didn't fly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think he, I don't think he was killed. He's just walking yeah. around nutless. The nutless wonder. Uh, and last email for uh, this week. Uh, hey, I know that radon labs were mentioned in season one. Could it be that the liquid they found is to help make little ones or maybe make them stronger? I also think it's possible that this liquid gives Randy and the one with the markings the power to control the regulars. A lot of ideas, but when I heard radon labs, all I could think about was the smarter you are in life, the smarter you are in death. Keep up the good work, Nurse Britt, and in nuclear land. And uh, I'm going to... I'm going to be the one to butcher her name this week. Uh, Baroa, Baroa Tomasio is the user's name. Um, so we didn't really uh, talk about that specifically because I was waiting for that email. Um, the liquid there, um, and this is another one of the things that has been posted um, a great deal about uh, ant colonies. And we have obviously already had um, an ant illusion back in season one as well, which was Again, a long, long time ago uh, in terms of release dates. But uh, the foric acid is something that ants use and apparently is part of the uh, hive mind control that um, gets used to make ants do what they do. So, is it possible that the one with the markings and Randy are using this to control and make better little zombie soldiers? Ooh, I don't know. I guess I don't really fall into that theory camp. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I kind of have to confess, I don't didn't really follow everything that was being said about ants and and whatnot. Uh, I think ants? I missed that part of the comment, the uh, forum thread. It got rather long. <laughs> it did. This and and to be perfectly fair, this ended up going uh, elsewhere. Um, uh, if you want to find them, find uh, a poster named uh, Grognard, um, or Gord, as uh, Britt liked to call him. Um, he is one of the leading proponents of this. He's also one of the more prominent posters on the forum. Uh, you can go there, find his post in the chapter discussion thread. He actually links to an outside source. Uh, which is another reason why it may have been harder to follow is it's not on the forum, uh, but there's a very good scientific article written about the idea of foric acid and how it works. Because um, now we're getting into deep, deep science, and it's going to be a lot harder to start following uh, some of the stuff that might be happening. Hopefully it's going to be uh, easy to follow and it's going to be dumbed down for all of us. But uh, yeah, so those are the emails we have. I wanted to, uh, well, actually, first I want to get something out of the way. I want to give a shout-out to Beesball, who uh, apparently is not going to be uh, editing this particular episode. But still, no, he's not. mad props he's... for the job that's done uh, on the episodes. Uh, I do have a question for him that hopefully he can answer for me. What has happened with the sound effects? Uh, I, you know, I listened to the whole series of, whatever, 60 episodes in a span mm-hmm. of three weeks. And I heard all kinds of um, video game sound effects. I heard him speed you up like a chipmunk. I heard him slow people down. Um, and that stuff was great. And then all of a sudden, I think it was just this season, he switched to the sounds of uh, guns being shot in the woods or, or something. And I, I don't get it. Where he's inserting them, and I don't know this for certain, this is just my assumption to it, is... It's bookending, like the beginning, the beginning of our opening. It's going into the discussion parts, and then it's going into like email threads and things like that. Or he always, as you know, loves when I fall on my face when I'm trying to tell a joke and puts the crickets in. Oh, I love the crickets. So those, yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, the crickets. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, sure you love the crickets. All right. Yeah, this podcast is over now. Thanks. Bye. No. Um, I, I, I love it when he uh, catches me pulling out bad, crappy puns or bad, horrible jokes. So I, I enjoy the crickets just as much as everyone else does. Um, but that's really – I think that's what's going on. And also us taking the um, – the episode discussion the way that we had before where it was the nice long recap uh, also gives him uh, fewer opportunities to have fun uh, on our behalf. Yeah. So, well, speaking of, speaking of th- having fun at your expense with the crickets, uh-huh. um, one of the reasons why I was actually looking forward to this opportunity was, I, like I said, I've been listening to all this compressed into three weeks, and I've heard you make mm-hmm. a lot of predictions. <laughs> Yes. And I've heard a lot of those predictions turn out to be wrong. And, yes. uh, you know, so I just, well, you've seen my signature. <laughs> oh, yes, I have. On the forum. I was thinking, I was, I was going to let it go, but now that we bring it up, um, so my tears taste like candy, huh? <laughs> it was something I thought of, uh, in particular when you completely bombed on whether they were going to go to, uh, Fort Irwin or not. Oh, you know what? That was such a stupid fucking... You were so convinced. I've been so convinced of so many things. That's why I've given up predicting things, because you know what? I'm so wrong all the time. But you know, that's okay. I actually, I really enjoyed listening to all the predictions, because at that point, I was already caught up on the show, and so I was just catching up on you guys, and Mm -hmm. it was really interesting hearing all of the predictions as though the stories were just coming out um, and finding out which things panned out, which things didn't. So, you know, yeah, I tease you a bit, but actually uh, I really you know enjoyed what? that aspect. I kind of miss you doing your your three predictions uh, for each chapter or whatever it was you were doing. Yeah, the, it just ended up becoming one of those things where it's like, man, I t- end up talking s- because it was originally, as, as most people that still listen to this know, I was not here all the time. When I became, when, when I was here all the time, I was like, oh, I've already pretty much given all my predictions just by analyzing the episodes. So I don't really have much to talk about in terms of those predictions. That's why those sort of fell by the wayside. That and I became so busy with life that I was like, oh, I can't even think straight anymore um yeah fort Irwin was one of my bigger misses i would say easily so no i was actually going to ask you and then i was like ah, i'll maybe i'll just ask him off the air but now that we brought it up i was like man who said that about me that my tears taste like candy was that someone or did i say it myself did brit say it who said it but i guess it's uh just straight out of your head it was yep straight out of my head they're 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 a little sweet I have to say, I taste them every once in a while. It's kind of like Skittles. <laughs> Skittles! Uh, we got Skittles into the episode. That's all that counts. Um, cool. Anything else you want to cover? Uh, well, yeah, you brought up Skittles. Um, but, so I, I don't want to, you know, completely take things over. So I'll, I'll make it uh, host choice here. Um, let's <laughs> let's delve into tinfoil uh, territory. But, you know, pick something that is kind of an, an out there theory that you've got currently uh, that you would you know, you'd like to explore a little bit, uh, be it Skittles, be it, uh, you know, Tanya's actually a bad guy, you know, whatever. Something about Randy. Of all my current thoughts for the show, I still think there is a possibility that Scratch, Tardust, and whatever's left of the Maulers will try, will air quotes, cooperate with the colony. And they will attempt to hunt down the zombie nest and kill it, only to turn at the last minute and try to kill Pegs. Mm. They try and kill Pegs part. That makes perfect sense. That's been her express... That's been her expressed objective since season one. Uh, but the I, I think there is still the possibility that they will come together in a mild kumbaya moment uh, and try to work together. I don't know. It's, it's definitely not going to work. But there's, I think there's the possibility that they might give it a whirl. You know, I guess I could see that happening, but more of a spur-of-the-moment thing. Like, uh, Scratch rounds up what remains of the Maulers and mounts an assault on the colony. Um, and in the midst of it, 
there is an attack by the minions of uh, Tattoo Guy. Um, and because of the onslaught, there's no choice but to stop attacking the fellow humans and start attacking the non-humans. Mm. And maybe in the midst of that chaos, uh, Scratch manages to sneak off and uh, kill Pegs, or at least make an attempt. I would say I think it's make an attempt, if anything. I don't know that she's actually going to succeed in that little mission, because I don't think Michael would ever let her. And I don't think Bert or Riley would ever let her either. Providing, you know, we can find them. Because it's been four months. Who knows where they are anymore? Well, yeah. Well, speaking of, of, of Riley, and, and I, that's what I thought I heard you say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of dropped out. But, um, yeah, that happens. What do you think is going to happen with, with Bert and Riley? Since we should be hearing something soon, shouldn't we? We may not get to them for a little bit. I think this chapter could very well just focus on what has happened with Randy trying to figure out what Radon Labs is and possibly going there. Um, and for all we know, they're back on the grid since CJ gave them the option because otherwise they've been out on their own for months. So I think that in the overall story arc, I really, again, I've said this before, I don't think that Bert survives. I think that Scratch is going to kill him, and I think that Riley is going to be the one that puts an arrow through Scratch's mouth. Much to the chagrin of some people that love Scratch. <laughs> that sounds quite reasonable. Uh, my pet theory is that uh, uh, Riley is going to do something stupid and uh, almost get herself killed. Bert is going to sacrifice himself to save her. Mm-hmm. And then she is going to come back, uh, rejoin the, the group at the colony and Dunbar, and uh, she's going to end up sacrificing herself to save uh, Lizzie and or Lizzie's baby. Okay. Uh, and then in in your method, Scratch lives or Scratch gets killed by... Riley. You know, I don't think... Or who, or, or does Scratch not die? I don't think Casey's going to let any human kill Scratch. I think Scratch okay. is going to have to go down uh, at the hands of a non-human. Okay. At that point, is it things set in motion by a human, or is she just so preoccupied with the fact that, oh, I'm finally about to kill a Pegs, I'm finally about to kill a Pegs, and then chomp? Yeah, something like that. Sort of a, a Moby Dick thing that okay. completely obsessed on, with her objective of killing and oblivious to the dangers to herself. See, I started there. That's uh, when I first got... When we first got to the point of like last season when it was like, oh, you know, Scratch, I don't think is going to survive this because she's doing X, Y, and Z to make this all happen. I started there thinking that, um, you know, she's not going to make it because, you know, she's going to be so focused on her task and she's not going to pay attention to who's about to chomp her face off. Um, I just like, I like the idea of Riley putting an arrow through her, through her head. I just like the idea that Riley gets her revenge for angel because that's her you know dead boyfriend that she never got to you know have yeah i I buy that it's fun who knows other than casey and probably blair um and, and that's that's the reason we're all still listening we want to find out about Michael's arm. We want to know who Randy is. We want to know why Radon Labs is involved. And 99% of us want Scratch to die. Yeah, I don't get the Scratch fan club at all. <laughs> I do get it. I, I love that there are people that love the air quotes villains so much and can identify with their point of view. Uh, the the f- uh, foremost of which is Osiris on the forums. Uh, Scratch's number one fan. Uh, and... All you have to do if you ever want to get into a nice debate is just say Scratch is X, Y, and Z, and if it's negative, he will come defend her. Um, so, yeah, I, I've always enjoyed villains and stories because they are the most interesting and fun characters. Uh, like when I was an actor, they are the most interesting and fun characters to play uh, because... They have their morals, and they know what they are, and they know they don't. They go against the norm of society, and they don't care. So that's what makes villains so much fun. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I can see that. But now I, I, I have this, the strong urge to, to tweak Osiris. 
<laughs> so let's uh, listen to uh, Nick Voodoo struggle to remember how to contact us here at We're Not Dead. You can email us at We're Not Dead Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us at www. Facebook.com slash We're Not Dead. You can always follow We're Live as well on Twitter at We're Live, and we are at WND Podcast. I am at Nick Voodoo, N I K V O O D O O. Brit is at Blonde Nerd. Uh, the forum is www.zombiepodcast.com, and I think that's all of them. Funky Dung, how can people find you if they want to talk to you or bounce an idea off your head or whatever you want to uh, talk about? Uh, they can find me on the forum as Funky Dung. They can find me on Twitter as at Funky Dung. Um, and uh, get to know me, and I might let you know where my Facebook is, but right now <laughs> I'm not going to give that out. <laughs> no, nah, that's fine. I don't give out my Facebook either. Uh, all right, so I think that's going to just about do it. So if you've got nothing else, the only other thing I have to mention is that uh, if you are a fan of American Horror Story, if you happen to catch this week's episode, you will notice uh, a familiar uh, voice and face, and that is of Mr. Jim Gleason, uh, who is Michael, and he made his way onto the program and has been going all around the Twitterverse lately uh, that he is on the show so if you are an american horror story fan you've probably already seen it you may have recognized him if you're not go check it out it's probably on hulu right now i would believe because it was aired earlier this week um so funky don't you got anything else or are we good to go uh sounds like you want to wrap up so i will i will shut my trap and uh we can we can wrap this up Hey, dude, if you got more to talk about, we can even do it as like an extended cut version. Uh, Who knows? Well, Who are, you, hey, you opened your mouth. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so have you seen any of my posts about uh, uh, Skittles not being on the up and up? Yes, I have. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I think Skittles is completely on the up and up. I think that he absolutely just mentally broke when he realized what he did um, and that he just is no longer in touch with reality. He may have been able to heal himself over the course of the last 10 months or so. Um, but I don't think that he, there was any nefarious skittles, uh, when he like let everyone in to Dunbar and got everyone killed. Let's see. I don't, I don't think I see him as being some sort of, uh, mastermind bad guy. I see him mm -hmm. more as um, maybe a suck-up uh, to the bad guys or possibly being blackmailed or something along those lines where he is uh, bent over a barrel and uh, doesn't have much choice. Um, I was perfectly willing to accept the notion of you know, Skittles is just uh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs until the um, flashback uh, to the... The overrun of Dunbar, um, and when somebody addresses him as Duncan and he doesn't respond to his name, that immediately, immediately hit me as that's just not his name. He's not responding because he's gone into his safe zone in his mind and he has forgotten the assumed identity that he was living under. So are you saying at that point that he is uh, an agent of the Maulers, or are you saying that he's an agent of zombies? Um, well, I mean, uh, putting on my tinfoil hat here, um, uh, I'm entertaining the possibility that he had some connection to either the one with the markings or the persona that existed prior to the one with the markings, whatever he was prior to undeath. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I, I guess I see Skittles in sort of a, uh, oh, what's the name of that character? Renfield, I think was his name. The guy in, in Dracula that was in the loony bin and was, mm -hmm. uh, a suck up to, to Dracula. Right. Um, I see him as kind of a, a familiar, if you will. Uh, yep. and I just, it seemed too quick that he took over the post and, oops, he let somebody in. Really? I don't know. 
It just seemed a little too convenient. A little too quick. It didn't seem very accidental to me. And and I I think him rocking and talking to himself and things like that could be entirely sincere. He may have uh, blown a circuit with the realization of what he had actually done, but I, I still can't shake the notion that he knew what he was doing when he did it, and he did it on purpose. The thing that, in terms of double agent and working for anyone in particular, is it's obviously not working for the Maulers, because at that point, why send Kalani in? Because you already have an inside person. No, I don't think it's if, the Maulers. And if it is working with zombies or uh, knowing who um, the one with markings slash Bill Roberts was prior, um, at that point, wouldn't he have been protected? And he wouldn't have had to hide. And he wouldn't have gone to the military base to hide inside of a uh, old water tower. Uh, at, you know, at that point, it's things like that that make me wonder if he was a double agent, why would he not have been protected or why would he not have been sent out to go into another place to lure more people out? Uh, so I don't know that I necessarily buy double agent. I think I understand. I definitely understand the, um, convenience of having him go into the guard room and immediately all hell breaks loose. Now, the other part of that is that um, there are things as uh, like unreliable narrators who don't necessarily give us truth or keep, you know, like uh, the idea that um, when Lizzie was being kicked out of the tower and Angel's, uh, oh, like, oh, okay, and he just goes right back in. It's, you know, the idea of an unreliable narrator. Um, and that could be part of what happened there is Kalani is not an, a reliable narrator, so he's not able to give us an accurate depiction of timing. Uh, and that may be part of the problem where it seems like it's too convenient is that he was there a little bit longer. Kalani's conversation went a little bit longer with Samantha uh, and or whoever it was he was talking to. And um, then all hell breaks loose. So, I think that we have covered a great deal of many things, and apparently Siri is going to turn herself on now on my phone. <laughs> Hello, new operating system. Thank you for that. That's amazing. So, once again, uh, thank you, Funky Dunk, for coming on. Uh, thank you. Uh, what is your name? Anthony, I want to say, is your name, who edited the podcast today in the absence of uh, bees. Uh, thank you very much for taking care of us in this way. And... Uh, for Brit, who will hopefully be back next week. Um, thanks for listening. And we're out of here. See you.